So let's have God's word open us up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 16 to 18. And when you're there, please rise for the reading of God's word. Now this is the word of the Lord. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, so glad to be here and share Lord's Word with you guys. And last week, July 1st, 2021, is a very special day for many Chinese. And because it is the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Communist Party of China. So among all the priests of the party in the social media, I saw a short video from a Christian friend. And it tells a story about past Richard Von Braun and the suffering had that he endured in Romania. He was a Romanian pastor from uh, 1930s to the 1960s. And in 1944, when the Soviet Union uh, occupied Romania, as the first step to establishing a uh, communist regime, the government attempted to control the churches. And in a gathering of the church leaders, when there is no voice to against this policy, Pastor Wong Brand stood up and denounced the church, the government's control of the churches. But you know, he was soon imprisoned for his faith by the communists. But nevertheless, as I watched the video, the movie, what struck me for most is that it, doesn't, it does not really spend a lot of time on highlighting a lot of the persecution that this Christian faith. It is tremendously encouraging because in the midst of the suffering, one brand described the joy that Christians had and their love for the persecutors. So every, uh, even they hated the communism, but they loved, they loved the communists. And they displayed that even in the midst of their persecution, they loved those who persecuted him, tortured him. And their joy at many times overflowed in their hearts because they had an eternal perspective. They know they knew they were living in an unseen but real and eternal kingdom of God. So this morning as we read Second Corinthians chapter 4, 16 to 18, we will see how Pastor Brown could have this kind of endurance, hope, and love during persecution. And indeed, though we, we are not persecuted here, right? But I do believe that we, we must recognize that there are also many earthly disencouragements, disencouragements, but there are also many eternal encouragements. So, you know, 
as we read Second Corinthians, I would like to share the, the, the main part message is that life is vulnerable and full of sufferings, but the eternal kingdom of God has come, and it is calling us to work with sufferings and live a mission-focused life. So let's jump in and take a look at this passage. You know, Paul is very realistic in this passage. He pointed out two, two marks of our existence. The first is vulnerability, and the second is suffering. As Paul says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So what is the earthly discouragement here? Well, Paul says, though our outer self is wasting away. So what is this outer self? What is this outer self? You know, the distinction between the outwardly and the inwardly in this passage must be, must be carefully realized and understood. Paul is not like distinguishing like many Greeks did, the soul from mind, the soul uh, about, sorry, the body from the soul or the body from the mind. But rather, he's considering our total existence from two different viewpoints. By outwardly, Paul means a person is in his creaturely mortality as belonging to this age, which is passing away. But inwardly, Paul means the person who belongs to the age to come, who already possesses the spirit of the new age. So we have an outward man, an inner man, right? When someone, young, someone is younger, you think that they are their out men. But as you get older, you are thankful that you are not your out men, right? Because you look in the mirror this morning, what happened to this out man? The old man is not being renewed day by day, right? He's in trouble. Our body, our brain, our lungs, liver, heart, muscles, bones are being destroyed, being eaten away and consumed and wiped out. But Paul is not only acknowledging this, but also experienced this trouble. You know, when he wrote this letter, he was probably in his mid-50s. His steps was not as quick as it had been. He did not see as he had, see well as he had. Walking between cities and towns, he was easy getting tired. His memory was not good as before. So in short, Paul is getting older and older. Paul is experiencing this creaturely vulnerability and mortality. And so do we. We are earthen vessels. We are here today and gone tomorrow. And it doesn't matter if you shave your legs or your, you shave your head. You were made from dust, and dust you should return. This is a reality. This is a discouragement because all of us has an expiration date. So for many of us, I think I don't have to present a cogent argument this morning for our walnut vulnerability and mortality because you know them you know them if you are over than like 40s over 630s you get this you understand how our outer self is definitely wasting away some of you know this and some of you is experiencing this experiencing this 
So recently, as our brother just shared, some of you are with illness, hospitalization. You have seen the death of your close friends, relatives, and even your loved one. That is not walking apart. For any of you who have been seen, been there with a loved one and watched the death process take place, you know it's, it's ugly. It's not pleasant. It's very sad. It's very sad. Sometimes we think that we are strong people rather than a vulnerable person, are we? Because to be vulnerable may mean to be honest about things or brokenness or weakness or just the general mess of life. But the reality is we are actually quite feeble and vulnerable, are we? Let's look at some of the wealthiest men of this time. And it doesn't matter how much money you had or the success to certain doctors or health care, they still passed away. Think of Steve Jobs. Think of Sam Walton. Think of you feel in the blank. Your banking account will not save you. It will not increase you living by 20, 30, 40 years more. You will be stopped. Vulnerability and mortality are marks of our existence and our creaturesness. But Paul does not only acknowledge this creature vulnerability and mortality. He also experienced the second part, the mark of our existence, the sufferings. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So by two adjectives, light, momentary, Actually, Paul does not mean his affliction is light. On the contrary, as a missionary, the Apostle Paul had experienced a lot of heavy afflictions. You know, at least three types of afflictions every Christian must know, must know from Paul. First, you know, to Paul was added a thorn in the flesh, right? Second Corinthians chapter 12, 7, Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because all the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I plead with the Lord about this, that is, it should leave me, but it was not. Paul didn't know why this thorn was added to him. It just happened without any reason. As Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulations. No matter you are Christian or not, you will have this. There's no vaccine. There's no vaccine for afflictions. And also, Paul was suffered by his sin, the second type of suffering we should learn from Paul. He says, Romans chapter 7, 21 to 24. So I found it to be a law that when I want to be, do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
Although there is a joy of sin in the moment, sin also brings pain and conscience torment, lies, selfishness, indifferences, pride, jealous, brings soul torment, brings our soul torment. This is the second suffering Paul had. And the third, the suffering for Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Paul mentions many things, many things. I will, not, I, will, I will just not read this passage. But in this passage, you see many, many things Paul had experienced. Persecutions, trauma, hardship, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, and shipwrecks, and so on. So he mentioned many times, three times, five times, in danger, in danger. He did not talk about suffering from the ivory tower. He knew, he knew we live in a sinful and fallen world. He knew it. He experienced it. And he also shared about it. So we cannot circumvent affliction. There is no vaccine for suffering. So we do not desire for affliction. We just cannot avoid them. And probably we should also not avoid them. One Christian philosopher Simon Will, he she mentioned that to be create to be a creative thing is not necessary to be afflicted, but it is necessary to be exposed to affliction. So sometimes, sometimes I just feel like our problem is not we endure many sufferings, but it's our mindset to always escape some hardships that Christian a faithful Christian must face in our time. Life is full of creative vulnerability and mortality. Life is full of sufferings. But what Paul says, he says, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. You know, there is a conjunction. So, this guides us to verse 7. Though we are jars of clay, but we have the treasure in jars of clay. This comparison between the treasure and the earthen jar is not accidental, but delib- deliberate to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God. The, the power to lift man out of his powerlessness in the face of suffering, decay, death, does not come from our men within ourselves, but come from God. Man is like a jar of clay in order that the all-surpassing power might be from God, not from ourselves. And because of this great power, we can hope. We can know that we will endure. So Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we see a promise in verse 8 to 9 that we will overcome not through any strength of our own, but through God's power. A pastor once said, we are squished, but we are not squashed. We have been knocked down, but we are not knocked out. We are discouraged, but we are not deserted. We are always carrying in in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And you see the word death here, right? 
in verse 10. You see the words, well, in verse 10, the, the word death. In Greek, it, it is actually not the usual word that describes the death. It is a word that means not just the death of Jesus, but the dying process, dying process that he endured as he suffered, as he was persecuted, as he bore, bore his burdens to the cross. So do we. We share in all his deaths, and he's dying. But just as we shared his pain and suffering, we will also share in his life. Moreover, you know, in, in, the, in, in this chapter, Paul also acknowledged that Christ has been raised from death. In verse 13 to 14, he says, And he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. He knew that the, re the resurrection actually took place. Jesus' resurrection actually took place. And subsequently, it will happen for all of us who place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there was a once-for-all time happening in 2,000 years ago. And there is also a fully realization, a fully bodily resurrection in the future. So we are now not without hope in the present. And we should not grieve as those who grieve without any hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even death. So when we are stricken with disease, we are ultimately be cured. If persecution comes our way, if we suffer from many diseases, cancer, we will be rescued, perhaps not in this world, but not, and not in this life, but for eternity. When death comes, when death comes, we will be given new life. But now, you know, through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, the eternal kingdom of God has been inaugurated in this age. This is why Paul says, our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. As I mentioned, our inner self is not just the soul, but the whole new creation that belongs to the age to come, belongs to the eternal kingdom of God. Therefore, every single, single time Paul went into new town to preach his gospels, the good news, as he was focused on this eternal kingdom of God, he was physically weakened, but spiritually strengthened. There was certain physical vulnerability, but also a spiritual vitality. This is a wonderful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the eternal kingdom of God that motivated Paul each and every day, even when he ran up against the hardest obstacles, sufferings. So friends, would that also motivate us each and every day. As we study the book of Daniel, we have seen the conflict of the two kingdoms, right? The kingdom of world, the world and the kingdom of God. They are coexisting. One is visible and one is invisible. And the visible one might look like it is conquering the invisible one, but it can never conquer it. Because the invisible one is the real one. And the visible one is the one that is passing away. And fundamentally, it cannot stand. So even if you are struck down, you cannot be destroyed. The communists could not destroy Christianity in the communist countries. You know, 
They made it illegal to have a Bible. They beat people. They tortured them. They took away their churches, the crosses. And what happened to the church in these countries? You know, it just went on ground. And the community system went its way, like all the earth systems do. But when it went its way, you know, the door were open from the flood of missionaries came into these countries and churches. And churches are planted all across these countries, like we see in Soviet Union, in China. There is amazing revival in the late 80s. Jesus says he will build his church. He will build his church, and the gates of the hell should not prevail against it. So again, we are squished, but we are not squashed. We have been knocked down, but we are not knocked out. We are discouraged, but we are not deserted because the eternal kingdom of God has triumphed and come through Jesus' death and resurrection. However, this eternal kingdom of God not only enables us to just not lose heart, it also calls us, it calls us to live with endurance, hope, and suffering. You know, Paul does not only acknowledge that suffering, life is full of affliction, but he says this is light, momentary affliction that is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, the beauty of this verse is that in suffering, God has meaning and purpose for our lives now and for the future. Notice in this passage, it doesn't say that these light momentary afflictions are compared to the eternal weight of glory. He actually uses the phrase, preparing for, preparing for, preparing for eternal weight of glory because there is meaning and purpose in our suffering. No one wants suffering, right? No one wants suffering. But nearly everyone has suffered for some reason. Something that imparts meaning and worthy purpose. A parent would gladly suffer, sacrifice their comfort if it will ensure a better life for their children. A husband will definitely unhesitantly donate his kidney if it will save his wife's life. And Jesus suffered and died for us for the greatest meaning our eternal destiny and salvation. Yes, man does not have to be destroyed by suffering. And Jesus Christ proved it and paid for ultimate price so that we will be reconciled to God through Him. We will be preparing for the eternal weight of glory. So there is no, not a single ounce of pain that you will experience or you were experiencing that will be wasted for eternity because God is achieving through it. He is preparing us for eternal glory, always beyond all comparison. So I want to return briefly to revere Pastor Wong Brun. You know, in prison, there are many others also in the prison. And, you know, the other Christians... Uh, in the many years they were imprisoned and persecuted, they didn't have the word of God. 
But after years of reading and knowing the word of hiding their hearts, they are prepared for the endure. They knew the hope they had. They knew God's word and power that even through death, preparing them is a process for glory. But you know, there are also others. The communists, they are also in the present. And it's sad because the video, the book, Torture for Christ, it describes that this tortured man, this communist, they had no hope. They had bitterness. They had hatred in their heart. And as captors persecuted them, they hated them. Many died in pitiful and hopeless state. Their anger, their hopelessness in suffering is their natural response to their affliction. It is just a natural, simple response. Their affliction on earth was not preparing for the eternal weight of glory. But even though we know the eternal hope, our sin can still weigh us down, right? Sad Satan even often uses affliction or uses sufferings in our lives to attack us. We will be tempted in our suffering to lose hope and not see the power of God or not to hope. We, will be, we may be overcome with grief. We purpose this prayer of life as the apostle had. We may even doubt that God is not preparing us. We may be even thinking that He is breaking this. If you have time after this worship, you could read Psalm 88. Psalm 88. There is no hope. There is no hope. But friends, we need to be prepared. Whatever suffering and affliction or pain that you are facing now and even that you will face or you have faced you can embrace this text this text and lastly paul concluded as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient transient but the things that are unseen are eternal so you know from the wasting away of outer self to the renewal of our inner self, from the light momentary affliction to the eternal weight of glory, from the visible, transient world to the unseen eternal kingdom. Paul is calling the most precious, most important truth in this world that is beyond the reach of our sense. As we return to the eternity and begin to pursue the eternal kingdom of God, we begin to seek for a mission-focused life. As Paul mentioned his mission at the beginning of chapter 4. You know, he also mentions the exact word, do not lose heart. And he says he do not lose heart because he knew his commission that Jesus had sent him to proclaim the good news of the gospel. He had a mission. He had a goal. He was focused on one thing, that that was Jesus Christ himself crucified and risen from the grave that motivated him. So we don't need to be Paul. But what is your mission, your goal, your one thing in your life? Every time when I read these words, I recall John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. 
and he mentioned that you don't have to know a lot of things of your life to make a lasting difference in the world, but you do not. You do have to know a few things, a few great things that matters. Perhaps just one. Then be willing to live for them, die for them. The people that make a double, durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great things. If you want like your life to come, Piper says, you don't need to have a high IQ. You don't have to have a good looks. You don't have to be riches. Or you don't have to come from a fine family or fine school. Instead, you have to know a great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things, and one great, all-embracing things, and be set on fire by them. By them. And Piper also says, you may not be sure that you want your life to be ma- to make a difference. Maybe you don't care very much whether you make a lasting difference for the sake of something great. You just want people to like you. If people would like, would just like being around you, you'll be sat- satisfied. Or if you could just have a good job with a good wife or husband or couple of good kids and a nice car and long weekends and a few good friends and run retirement and quick easy death and no hell. If you will have all that, even without God, you will be satisfied. This is a tragedy in the making. So in April, uh, April 2000, John Piper asked his church members one question because there are two members in his church. Uh, one is named Ruby, another is Laura. They were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. But one day, the bricks failed. The car went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. So John Piper asked his congregation, was that a tragedy? Was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great passion, namely to be spent his life to serve the Lord, to serve the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ, but died. Was that a tragedy? And then Piper says, no, this is not a tragedy. This is a glory. These lives were not wasted, and their life were not lost. So whoever loses his life in my sake, and, and the gospel will save it, Jesus says in Mark. So, Piper also challenged his congregation another question. He says, I will tell you what the tragedy is. Consider a story, he said, from February 1998, a book called Reader's Digest, and which tells a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the uh, Northeast five years ago when he was 19, uh, sorry, 59 and and she was, his wife, was 51. And they tried to live in a 
Punta Gorda, Florida, a nice city, where they, are, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. At first, Piper thought that it might be just a joke on American Jim, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was, this was a dream. Come to the end of your life, and you want your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life before you given a account to your Creator be this, He says, playing softball, collecting shells. Pictures them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, this is my shells. And Piper says, this is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. But he says, people in America, people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to trust in this American James. Two weeks ago, when I attended our college student group, and when I asked one brother, what is your prayer request? And he says, I hope my passion will be in line with God's passion. I hope my passion will be in line with God's passion. Brothers and sisters, would that also be your prayer request? Would that also be your request? Would you hear the calling from the eternity? Would you have hope in suffering? Would you live for eternity rather than American dream? Let us pray. Oh Lord, so our lives are vulnerable and full of suffering. Oh Lord, we know that many of our congregations, they are facing sufferings. They are experiencing a lot of sufferings. We know this is very disencouraged. We know there are many disencouragement, but we also know there is an eternal encouragement. Lord, as we worship together this morning, we pray that our the only hope is in your Son, the eternal one, the resurrected one, the triumphant one who rose from the grave. And we pray that you will minister us in our pain and in our affliction, gives us hope, assured hope, help us to rest in your promises, to see our afflictions as something that you are preparing in us and renewing in us and see your wonderful power compared with our weakness. O oh Lord, grant us power to know that you are working in and through us. Help us fix our eye on the eternal kingdom of God and live out a mission-focused life for you, for you. Lord, we pray that you will instill your words in our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.